All right, it's late. You know, I, I want to get to my Kings of Leon CD before, uh, before it's time to put the head on the pillow for the night. So we'll make this quick. Quitty Pay is the selection at number 21 overall. Kevin Bowen here. Emergency edition of Kevin's Corner late, uh, I guess early, now that I look at the clock on a Friday morning. We've got morning radio from 7 to 10 a.m. For those of you really craving something early tomorrow morning, if not, this podcast should suffice. Um, just got done with Chris Ballard, just got done with Quiddy Pay as well, and we'll go over some of those thoughts right here. Um, as far as pay, in my mock that I posted on 107.5 The Fan earlier this week, I had Sam Cosme with kind of trade back being the ideal scenario in the fine print. Uh, I didn't think Quiddy Pay would be there at 21 overall. Uh, the fact that he was there, him and Greg Newsom were the two guys I mentioned of like, if they're there, I think you got to take them. Um, you know, last night on Beers with Bowen, I think we had it in um, the second scenario, Quiddy Pay going 21 overall. And that was the highest rated scenario I had of the non-trade back. So, um, I think he's the safest edge rusher in a class that is very, very um, risk reward at that group. You know, we, we we talked about it last night. If and when the Colts take an edge rusher, we're going to have questions. I think Quiddy Pay has the least amount of questions. Um, some of the notes that I wrote down um, about Pay, kind of throughout the draft process, I said compact frame. Violent and effort; those were two kind of in all caps. Um, felt like there was three down ability, and then you're working with his pass rush traits. And I think, and I try to kind of drive that home a little bit here in the past few days. I feel like we we've we've fallen in love, and, and I'm partially to blame for this. Of like edge rush, edge rush, you know, third down guy, blah blah blah. Well, I mean, Justin Houston was a three down guy for you the last two years. You know, before that, Jabal Sheard was a three down guy for you for several seasons. You would love to find that, and, and I do think there is an ability with Pay to provide that. Um, length is a little bit meh, you know, as a rusher. You know, we're talking kind of wingspan and um, and and just where he kind of measures against other DNs. Obviously, the size six two isn't you know a, a massive a defensive end, but I think from a strength and explosive athlete, he's probably the best combination, arguably in the draft, certainly at edge rusher there. So as we talked about all along, take the edge, rely on the O-line depth. That's clearly, um, in my opinion, what they should do. We'll see, and we'll get into a little bit of Chris Bauer's comments a little bit later. But that scenario B that we had, we had Pay going 21. We had Dylan Radins going 54. I mean, there were several tackles there. And then Paulson Debo was the fourth-round pick, the corner. And, again, that was the highest of the non-trade backs there. Let's move on to the Chris Ballard comments. Um, he was adamant this was an extremely easy decision. They had a trade offer on the table from another team. Didn't feel like the value was worth it moving back. And the reason why Chris repeatedly said easy, easy, easy and pulling Quiddy Pay's card off the board was um, this is a guy that brings some unique traits as a rusher and character. And you guys know full well what Chris Ballard thinks about character. Um, you know, the more I dug into Quiddy Pay's story, and, and honestly, there's not much digging. I mean, certainly, I think a lot of you, even before tonight, had heard of it. But knowing Chris Ballard's family background, boy, um, you know, you want to pull out of strings of a GM a little bit more. I mean, this is a ready-made 
you know, Hollywood film, uh, not to mention Team Captain and 3.9 GPA. And uh, I was reading an athletic article um, where Pay has like a, I don't know, like a note card that he wrote down in sixth grade with six things on it or five things on it that he thinks about kind of on a daily basis or pretty much how he's living his life. Um, these are the five things. Nothing worth having comes easy. Nothing will get in the way of me achieving my dreams. Work hard and take care of my family. God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And remember when you wanted what you currently have. You know, obviously, for those that didn't see the story, um, you know, war-torn Liberia, his mother, um, you know, made it out of there, fled the country, I think, late 90s, if I'm not mistaken. They were in a refugee camp in the Republic of Guinea, and um, him and his older brother came to Rhode Island, I think, pay, if I'm not mistaken, he was less than a year old, I think just like six months old, never met his father, uh, named after his grandfather. I mean, you know, when you talk about uh, two things, I guess, is what Ballard really focused on. The effort that the Colts play defensively and then the adversity that every NFL prospect encounters. They're not worried about Quiddy Pay at all there. Um, effort was clearly something you see on the tape. And then you look at his life story and he's just brought up in a different manner than so many draft prospects, certainly. I mean, it's a miracle that A, he's in the United States, B, that he's in the NFL. So... Um, I think all of that, again, it's the unique traits. Certainly, his tape stands out, and, and Chris made that very clear. But you combine that with character, I think that's ultimately what separated him from some other rushers. Um, you know, Chris said there were other rushers around him on the board, on the Colts board, but he fit the Colts best. And I think when I hear that, I hear effort and I hear character. Um. Let's go to Pay's fit next. Again, like I mentioned, you know, to me, it's strength and explosive athlete. The combination of those two things, like that, offers you some three-down ability. Um, you you look at the production at Michigan, and you are left wanting more. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, eleven and a half sacks in thirty-eight games, um, twenty-three and a half tackles for loss is a nice number, but still, I mean, you'll find other edge rushers that certainly had more production in college. And I think Lewis Riddick hit on this when he was drafted. You know, you, you, you can't just rush with effort in the NFL. You, you do have to take those very raw athletic traits, great testing numbers. And if it's Robert Mathis or Brian Baker or whoever, you've got to tap into that and you've got to diversify him as a rusher. Um, you know, honestly, if I'm not mistaken, I bet Kamoko Turi probably had more sacks than Quiddy Pay did in the Big Ten. Um, now, how much of that was scheme? You know, I, I don't think he was maybe dealt a great hand there. I mean, I know full well, but I, I watched a good amount of Michigan and just seeing pay not necessarily lined up as that edge rusher a whole lot. And, you know, at 270, he's kind of, this, you know, not a bowling ball, but I mean, he's a little bit stockier. And it seems like they just kind of threw him into the interior on some rush situations where other guys might be, might, might be again, just kind of pinning their ears back off the edge. Um, he mentioned himself, Quiddy Pay, not a, a uh, very expansive talker, at least wasn't tonight. Um, but he, you know, feels like more of a three-four outside linebacker was his thought uh, coming into the NFL. Um, said he was kind of a four-three weak side end at Michigan. Uh, but I'll go back to what I said earlier. I, I really feel like there is a three-down presence here. And um, <coughs> while 
I do think the missing ingredient with this defense is the pop on third down. I really feel like that's more of the missing ingredient. I'll acknowledge that, again, Justin Houston walking out the door has opened up three down reps at defensive end, and uh, that's where I think Quiddy Pay can come in and give you some some day one presence. And right now, I mean, Isaac Rochelle and Al-Kadeem Muhammad, and again, Kamoko Terry's not a three-down guy. Ben Banigou, uh, I like Taekwon Lewis more in the, in the interior as well. I think Quiddy Pay can be a day one guy for you on all three downs. And, and I don't know if I would have said that about every other pass rusher, you know, kind of in that first, second round mix. Um, I don't know if fans will like love this comparison, but I do feel like there is a, you know, can he be a better Jabal Sheard, better Eric Walden type? Um, again, not the exact frame of those two guys. But, you know, Sheard, if I'm not not mistaken, he was a pretty high second-round pick. So, um, you know, a guy that with strength and explosion can be a presence on the rundowns and then, you know, benefit from the double teams that inevitably come the way of DeForest Buckner. Um, you know, I know the Colts love to rotate guys up front, and I get that, but they've also been searching, searching for that longer-term defensive end of a guy that um, can be <laughs> strong at the point of attack, hold up in the run game, things like that. And if you look at Pay's kind of disruption numbers at Michigan, those are pretty strong. Again, the sack numbers, not where you would want it, but the disruption numbers, pretty strong there. Um, did mention kind of the health scare that Eden Rappaport tweeted about, basically um, tropin levels. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that 100% right. But Pay said that he was tested for that. It was initially high, retested, came down much, much lower on that. So um, just, a, just a scare, nothing crazy there. And uh, clearly the Colts felt pretty good with that. Um, I guess before I get into day two thoughts, just again on, on, on Pay, I, I just feel like um, – He was the safest of the edge rush group with the ability to tap into those traits. Um, But this is an unpolished, I mean, this is a still-to-be-polished pass rusher. This is not a ready-made pass rusher. So development is going to be needed for him to be a productive sack guy on third downs. And, and, you know, you you guys, you know, heard me mention the stat of the last five years, you know, only five rushers in the league have come in as rookies and had at least nine sacks. Four of them went in the top 10. So yeah, I'm not expecting him to walk in the door and have 10 sacks or anything, but don't be surprised if there are, you know, five, six sack seasons or, you know, season early on. Um, but they feel like with character, which you fully understand it, that they can get more out of Quiddy pay from that third down ability um, and really develop him into a pretty complete defensive end. So uh, when, when you talk about effort, when you talk about motor, he definitely checks those boxes and we know how big that is for Matt Eberflus and company. Um, so, yeah, Pay was a guy that I that I liked. He was my favorite edge rusher. I think we talked about that um, throughout kind of the past few months. You know, I Oway and, and you know, I had Tryon mocked in the second round. And Phillips, to me, was, was a red flag, you know, due to medicals. Um, I just felt like Pay would make me sleep the best at night. And you got to rely on your coaching staff now to try and get a little bit more out of him, knowing full well that given his character, uh, you expect him to, I think, 
knock down the wall in adversity better than maybe some other um, failed picks or whatever yet to materialize picks have uh, not done in the Chris Ballard era, particularly even at his own position. So I think that's where, again, when the Colts felt that trade offer, got the trade offer at 21, the character plus his unique trait, because his testing numbers, I mean, if you look at his strength and his explosive numbers, boy, I mean, it's high 90 percentile, even though he is only 6'2 and 260, which isn't, you know, kind of the ideal frame uh, or even close to a guy like Jalen Phillips or somebody like that. Um, yeah, I feel like that's everything really on pay. Looking ahead to day two a little bit. Um, obviously, the Colts, without trading back, it, it does stunt your flexibility. Um, you know, there are reasons to stand pat at 21, certainly, but you only have one pick. And, you know, unless you trade back from 54, in all likelihood, you're probably only going to make one pick tomorrow. And then, you know, also you do think a little bit down to 2022 and the ability to really acquire that big-time draft capital for next year uh, to kind of offset what you're losing in the Carson Wentz trade. Uh, that, that that came and went tonight. And so I do think we just have to acknowledge that, you know, not trading back, it does limit a little bit of your flexibility. Now, Ballard again said it tonight. You know, he's playing a great hand in terms of not committing himself to drafting a left tackle. And really, he's been doing that, I would say, since, honestly, since January. You know, continues to um, speak about the O-line depth of this draft class. Really, really likes it. But he also acknowledges that the prototypical left tackles aren't necessarily there. We saw Tevin Jenkins fall out around one. Liam Eikenberg, you know, Brian Kelly says more of a right tackle. Sam Cosme is still on the board as well. Dylan Radins. Um, Trying to think who else. I don't. We have an article up on 107.5 The Fans, so check that out for who's still available on day two. But uh, besides Leatherwood, that, that might have been it. I don't know if there was another tackle that went after um, after him, really. Uh, I guess Darisau went a few picks after the Colts as well. And again, kind of that 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 lazy trait was the one that 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 worried me there. But I mean, in my eyes, you got to go left tackle at fifty four. I know again, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself, but the Colts have done that with the lack of attention they gave edge rusher in free agency to where they can go and kind of maneuver and really rely on best player available. Uh, but as much as I say that and think that, I hear Chris Ballard talk, and again, maybe this is just straight up smoke screens by him. He doesn't seem as committed to it. As, as I am, or I honestly think many people are, you know, continues to say roster building, you know, happens all year long and, you know, finding the best five and all that stuff. But if you make that pick of 54, I mean, you're not picking again until 127 in all likelihood. So that's quite a while to wait. And by n- no way, shape or form, it's a round four tackle coming here and starting day one for you. So I think 54 has got to be a left tackle, which, um, is a bit of a bummer because, you know, if the right tight end's there or whatever, the white, the right wide out is there, you would like to see them have that ability. But um, I think one of those tackles, which, again, some of them are still on the board and there's great depth there, I think that's a route to go tomorrow night, or I guess I should say tonight. So hope you guys enjoy this emergency podcast. Hope I didn't wake up Rosie Bow or Maddie Bow. I don't know if I've ever called her Maddie Bow in my life. Um, that sounds kind of weird. So, again, we got articles up on the website. Uh, posted kind of a three things, three takeaways from the pay pick, the best prospects available on day two, get more to some Chris Bauer comments when I wake up in the morning. And um, yeah, stay tuned to 107.5 The Fan.
all weekend long. We'll have content up on the website. I think this will probably be the only podcast until Monday morning. I, I don't know. Maybe if they do something crazy tomorrow, I'll come back with one. But in all likelihood, we'll uh, we'll just wait till Monday to recap the entire draft. So everybody enjoy the draft. Have a great weekend. Thanks for everybody that tuned in to Beers with Bowen. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday.